1: everybody? Welcome to Prospects 101, brought to you by Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. And welcome to Recruiting Roundup. Recruiting Roundup is our weekly show that drops on Fridays, bringing you all the news and analysis from the past week of recruiting. You can follow and interact with us on all social media accounts at Prospects101pod. Welcome back to Brandon Pastel.
2: What is up, everybody? I would love to just go on like a 30-minute rant about how Virginia Tech picked up two more recruits this year, but this week, but I won't. I'll let it, I'll let it go. Uh, I know last week's show kind of dissed Virginia Tech a little bit, but I'll let it go.
1: You mean the... I, I'm sure they probably jumped up a spot. You mean the last ranked ACC recruiting class <laughs> Virginia Tech?
2: Get out of here. Whatever. We,
0: we could also bring up the article that came out in, uh, in the newspaper that's... Uh, I think it's the Daily News down in the 757, so the Virginia Beach area, which just completely, <laughs> completely took a dump on Virginia Tech's recruiting strategy thought that was interesting.
1: And I'm also joined by Brandon Glessner, who just decided <laughs> to jump in right there.
0: <laughs> I just wanted that dig into Pastel, that's all. It was too good. You know, I wasn't even going to go there until he brought it
2: up. He hey, brought we, it we, we just signed a, a quarterback, Taj Bullock, and another, uh, another player, Kelly Lawson. So, I'm okay. We're all right. We, we, we're back on the rise. We're top 50 class again.
1: <laughs> Speaking of recruiting, this again, this is our recruiting roundup class where – we talk about all things recruiting and, and all big news and recruiting and and guys, I want to start with an interesting article that came out in 24/7 Sports from writer Bud Elliott the other day, and it's called the Blue Chip Ratio for 2020. And and what that is is it's a it's a combination of of basically your entire roster and and what percentage is made up of quote-unquote blue-chip recruits. And now what blue-chip recruits are considered are four- and five-star recruits. So essentially what Bud Elliott has come up with and what his data has shown him in the modern era is that you cannot win a national championship or even really compete to win a national championship unless your roster is... It's fifty. It's comprised of 50% or more blue chips. So that means you have a roster that has at minimum 50% recruited 4- and 5-star recruits versus 3- and 2-star recruits. Now, these are the teams that made up the blue chip ratio for 2020. And he's not saying that this is who... Like a higher percentage of one, it means that they're going to be the national champion this year. But what it's saying is if you don't meet this threshold, you have a literally point zero 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 one percent chance of competing for a national championship. So let me give you the schools real quick, and we'll go into it. Alabama leads the way at 83%. Georgia at 82 Ohio State at 80 Texas at 64, LSU at 63, Oklahoma at 63, Clemson at 63, Florida at 63, Michigan at 59, Auburn at 59, Penn State at 59, Notre Dame at 56, Washington at 54%, USC and Texas A&M rounded out at 50%. Guys, what are your thoughts on this?
2: I feel like you just read off the top 15 rankings in college football, man. I mean, it absolutely (laughs) correlates. That's a good point. It absolutely correlates with what – we see in today's football. I mean, there, you always have that one or two programs that ascend to the top off of a phenomenal year because everything, the stars align perfectly. But to your point, Kenny, and to Bud Elliott's point, like, yeah, no no, no crap. Like, You have better prospects, you're going to have a better team. It's, it just sucks, honestly, that me being a Virginia Tech fan and, Kenny, you're a Wake Forest fan. Now, reading that, it kind of gives me zero hope. <laughs> yeah. <Whoa. laughs> that, that there's – Any chance outside of those 15 or however many programs you just read off that they actually have a shot? Because they don't, it sounds like.
0: Well, the the one thing I –
2: it's funny you say that.
0: And and I I agree with you. It could be a little disheartening if you're not on this list. But the other thing I'll say is that if you're consistently getting blue chips for five-star recruits year in and year out, like your expectations are really high. Whereas if you don't get a lot of four- or five-star recruits, generally your expectations aren't that high that you're going to go win a natty, Uh, you know, other than, you know, you may may be able to get in the college football playoff, you may just have a fantastic season, but I think the way recruiting is now nationally and the way it's hyped up, I mean, we have a show on it every week, guys, so everybody – really gets a lot gets really fired up about the program based on how they do in recruiting and they're excited for these guys so it doesn't really shock me seeing this on there but Brandon to your point like if you're not on this list uh, I feel like it it should still temper expectations because you almost should expect seeing this coming
1: yeah I mean it, it really it really takes away from the Cinderella argument of everything like guys who who would maybe pick like oh these are These are Dark Horse National title contenders, you know, based on outside of the top 15. It's like, well, no, they're not. They're not. I don't think anybody's ever done it outside the 50% mark, but all the BCR schools, basically, I mean, if you look at it, LSU was sixty four percent last year. Clemson was sixty one. Alabama had eighty percent the year. And just because I could go on and on and on down the list and give it to you. The one thing I think is cool though is it just because you're at eighty three percent or eighty two percent or eighty percent like Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State who have a large margin uh, over everybody else on this list does it mean that they're automatically the title favorites as well because Clemson won it in 2016 with only 52%. So the good news is you're looking at Washington, you're looking at USC, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, and you're like, wow, well, we're on the lower end of this. You know, I, I wonder what's the realistic shot that we could compete. Well, the good news is you can compete by what, according to what the analytics say. Is it realistic that you're going to win the national championship with those numbers? Maybe not, but you can. You have a shot. It's that one in a million chance we're all talking about.
2: That's right. Well, I would love to see this kind of be broken down by conference. Just kind of hearing you say all those schools, Kenny, I feel like I maybe heard one ACC school. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's it. Which, I mean, shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, The ACC has been, quote unquote, down the last couple of years. And they haven't, you know, your normal powers like Florida State, Miami, and Virginia Tech haven't been as good as they were in previous years. Now, what's interesting, the two schools that were on the bubble are Florida State and Miami, actually. They were at like 49%, so they're they're hovering right there, but they just didn't quite make that 50% threshold. Yeah.
0: I think one school is super ahead, interesting Glass. on here, Kenny, is Texas A&M. Uh, looks like, you know, back-to-back years, they've signed 34 and 5 stars, um, you know, in Jimbo's first two years there. So, if you're a Texas A&M fan, I mean, things are looking up. I mean, you're getting you're getting big time blue chip talent that's coming into college station. So if you're, if you're an Aggie, uh, things are looking up for sure.
1: And I think the one thing this, this tells me too, is when you have a roster such as these schools have, you're really a quarterback away from probably winning it all. I mean, Clemson was a quarterback away when Deshaun Watson took over at 52% and they won it all. Clemson was a quarterback away with Trevor. Like it, it, if you put if you pair an elite quarterback with these rosters, odds are you're going to compete or probably win the natty. Which means Ohio State with Justin Fields probably going to compete again for a natty. Alabama probably going to win a natty. Even you know Matt Jones might not be the guy, but Bryce Young could be. So it, it just talks that Georgia maybe couldn't compete with Jake Fromm at least towards the end of the end of his tenure there. But now they have Jamie Newman. Could they compete again? So it's it's a quarterback away. Uh, in my opinion, these schools, a lot of these schools that, that if they have, if they get an elite quarterback with the rosters, they have, you know, you could put your odds on that they could possibly win a a national championship. It was just something I thought was interesting. I wanted to point out to you guys. I wanted to point out to our listeners, go check it out. It's an article by Bud Elliott on 24 seven sports, and it's called the blue chip ratio. And he goes into a lot more detail. We just really gave it a surface level overview. Now, the next big news is blue blood, Texas. They're kind of stretching their legs a little bit. They already had kind of a decent top recruiting class, and now they've jumped into the top ten by landing two four-star defensive backs on the same day, Ishmael Ibrahim and J.D. Coffey. They're the fourth and fifth best recruits in the Texas class, and what I thought was interesting is Texas now has the lowest commits, the lowest amount of commits of any school in the top ten, which means they're hitting – they're hitting their stride with their big time recruits. Like that's all they're signing is big time recruits. They're not signing three star guys, they're signing big dogs.
2: Yeah, I tell you what, man. Tom Tom Herman, if I'm a Texas fan, the expectation this year is to be in the national championship conversation. Like he's got no more excuses. Like he's been there long enough. He's had I think three or four top ten recruiting classes, and this is just kind of a testament to what he's been doing that he's going to do it again, another top 10 class this year, that if I'm a Texas fan, and maybe this is just me, I expect a national championship run this year, especially with a a senior-led quarterback going at the helm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it should be encouraging for any Texas fan, you know, based on how they've recruited uh, under Tom Herman and what they're continually doing. What I like about this is this is on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think to, to challenge Oklahoma for the Big 12, you certainly have to be good on defense. And have to obviously win that big rivalry game, but you gotta be good week in and week out and you gotta be able to defend the pass. So I think landing two four star defensive backs and, and really doing well in your state is a is a huge plus for Herman and and anybody who's a, a Texas Longhorn fan.
2: And don't forget, we talked about Caden Stearns in a previous segment. I mean, that's my favorite safety in college football. So you lose him after this year and then you got two guys like this just to kind of straight up backfill An athlete like that, Mm -hmm. they shouldn't really miss a beat, hopefully, with these prospects coming in there.
1: Pivotal year for Tom Herman in Texas. The Longhorns definitely have to step it up. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Now, speaking of another blue blood who pastel has been ripping and ripping and ripping every time we get on recruiting roundup and that's Alabama. And all they did this week was sign a five-star offensive tackle from IMG Academy. And then they signed a four-star wide receiver. um, And and that's JC Latham at offensive tackle and, and Christian Leary at wide receiver. And guys, what I thought was interesting And and again, I'm only really bringing this up because we're holding Pastel's feet to the fire here. Pastel says he's not convinced that this could be a top ten class for Alabama that he thinks they're going to fall out. If you look at their average ranking for recruit, it's a 94.35, and they're ranked 20. Right now, they're 24th in the country in terms of recruiting. So they're averaging 94.35. The only program that has a higher average recruit right now is the number one team in Ohio state with, and they have 19 recruits versus Alabama's eight. So guys call me crazy. I still think they have a shot at a top five recruiting class. I really do. I think they are only a couple signings away from a hopping into the top 10, probably two, maybe three, but I think, I think at the end of the day, they're going to end up with a top five recruiting class. And it's going to be business as usual for Bama.
2: Yeah. And I, I think they've got two near hundred percent. If they're not a hundred percent, Chris ball projections, of uh, two brothers that play on the offensive line as well. And those are our four and five star prospects. So I absolutely do think they're going to jump up. And it's not, I'm not going to try to defend myself here. Like they had a great week in recruiting. I knew they weren't going to stay at 38 and 39 forever. I knew they were going to make a jump after getting a few five or four star athletes. The, the, the thing that war- worried me a little bit was the fact that so many recruits were, were committing so much earlier than what they normally would have, right? And you just never heard Alabama's name mentioned in that and now that you're starting to finally see them trickle in, that's all great and everything. But still, there's only so many five-star and four-star athletes left. I mean, really, only so many five-star. There's plenty of four-star, really. But I don't know. I'm not going to completely back off of my top ten. I, I, again, my hot take more or less was that they will fall outside the top ten this year. I'm not going to completely back off of that yet, but it was a great week of recruiting for them.
0: Keep giving them crap, Pastel. Keep giving Nick <laughs> saving crap. See them turn around. I think the biggest reason that they're not – they're not higher in the rankings. It's not the, to, to what Kenny said, it's not the quality of kids that they're getting. It's the fact they only have eight, right? Like Ohio yep. State has 19, right? That's why they're probably up, uh, up so high in the ranking. I think it's just a velocity thing. They haven't, they haven't gotten the amount of kids yet. So I think they're bound for a big jump. Um, I also could see them make a big play for some of these commits during the fall. That have already committed somewhere. Mm -hmm. I think Alabama, when you start winning and you start dominating the SEC like they've been doing for, you know, over a decade now, it's only a matter of time for a lot of those kids, you know, either decommit or, you know, seriously think about their decision. And I mean, it's Alabama. I mean, Alabama, if they they offer you, they have great recruiting uh, recruiters on that staff. And it's just the lure of being able to play for a national championship weekend or uh, year in and year out. Uh, I, I have zero worry that Alabama's go- not going to be a top 10 class. I mean, that they're going to get some kids to decommit and, and commit uh, t- to Bama. And, you know, we'll, we'll see here signing day in December. And I'm sure that they'll be a, a, in the top 10, if not the top five.
2: Yeah, I think that's absolutely to your point, Glass. I think that's where Alabama makes their mark. They only have eight guys right now, and a lot of people committed early. And I think a lot of people took that scholarship because they felt like they had to. Because they're who knew when they were gonna get that actual visit to the campus? Who knew? There's so much uncertainty these last three months, and really for the near, uh, predictable near future. They just went to go ahead. They they secured their spot on a football team. Now, as soon as Alabama comes knocking on their door, I, I completely agree. I told Kenny this multiple times. that We're going to see the biggest decommitment season that we've ever seen in college football. Now, when Alabama comes knocking on your door, you're going to listen. And that's where I think they would make their jump. Glessner is the fact that they will get commitments from other schools that they've; that these commitments are already at right now.
1: So what, what's interesting is we talked about their average recruit, ninety five point thirty five or 94.35 average, a school that's right there on their heels, and I'm kind of calling a little bit of an audible here, is Georgia. Georgia's at 94.08, and fresh off the press is James Williams, the number one recruit in the state of Florida, has now narrowed his school's. To two, He's the five-star athlete, number one recruit in Florida, to Georgia and Miami with eight out of ten certainty that he will pick, according to 24-7 Sports Crystal Ball, that he will go and play for the Dogs, which is interesting because this will be the fifth time in the last six years the number one school prospect in the state of Florida will actually leave the state of Florida and go play for another school outside the state. So just wanted to throw that in there. Fresh off off the press is James Williams. Narrows this list to Miami and Georgia, but it looks like Georgia is probably going to be the prohibitive favorite, and looks like Georgia will probably nail another five-star recruit down and continue their ascent up the rankings. Now, kind of backtrack in a second for Bama because I wanted to talk to you guys. I have a trivia question for you, and I think this will be a little bit a little bit of fun. We always talk about recruits and how important they are and to building up programs, and you, it's always fun when you look at you know all-time recruits at a school. And I saw this today, and it kind of blew my mind. So, at Alabama, if you think of how how rich their tradition of recruiting is, they, who's their top recruit ever to attend the university? Now they have three guys. They have three guys tied for first. I'll give you two: Cyrus Quanjo and Andre Smith are tied.
2: Uh, I was gonna say Andre Smith. That Those was. Those are be tied answer. for two.
1: Now the third one to me was kind of a surprise. And it makes me a little nervous now. Who do you think is the no, the tied for number one all time recruit to go to, to commit to the University of Alabama?
2: See, that's frustrating because I 100 knew Andre Smith was up there. Can you give us a time frame? Is this like in the last 10 years? Yeah, it's the last years? 10 like... years.
1: That's fine. Last 10 years, last decade. i yeah. I even give you. I'll use the last five years. I'll give you that. I would narrow it down further. Last five years. Interesting, Gless. What are you thinking I, right I now? I
0: don't know. I, there's a
2: lot of names going in
0: and out that I'm. Can, to can you? Out. Can you?
2: Okay. Uh, this is
1: yeah, like I mean, a,
0: it's
2: like playing near who's there. Can I narrow this to fifty percent? Is it on offense, offense or defense? Offensive player. I don't think it's wide receiver. I don't think.
1: Any any get any okay. guesses? We need some guesses here, guys. Is it Henry? Bl- Bl- no, it's not Henry. Nope.
2: Is it is it Blake Sims quarterback it is out of Virginia? Not Blake Sims. No,
1: it is Bryce Young, the incoming quarterback, who's uh, going to be a true freshman this uh. season. That's a trick question. Trick question. He's the he's the <laughs> no he's literally tied to be the best recruit in Alabama history.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just I wasn't thinking. I'm thinking players that were like actually have already played for Alabama, not like incoming.
1: Dude, I'm just saying, those who are down if Alabama's for real this year, I'm telling you, don't be surprised if this kid's the starter there this year. He's an absolute stud. And he's now the number one tied for the number one recruit of all time for Alabama. Think of how rich. Their, their recruiting classes have been he's tied for number one, which should be scary because they've never had a quarterback like that. Well,
2: hey, if you look at some of the past national championships, two came in and won it for Alabama, and you saw Trevor Lawrence as a true freshman come in yeah. and win it for Clemson. So it's not far-fetched to think that Bryce Young can come in and actually compete for a national championship. I got one more thing
1: freshman. for you, and it's not a trivia thing, but you know who the you know who the highest-ranked quarterback prior to him signing at Alabama was? And this is throwing it way back. Brody Croyle. Oh gosh, he was nice. that high. <laughs> he was, dude. He's their sixth highest ranked recruit of all time at Alabama. Interesting. Yeah, pretty inter- I saw that and I was like, wow. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And speaking of big time commits and five star commits, one sign this week to Oregon. I guess I know I can hear you sighing as I say this, but yeah. Oregon, Oregon got a commitment from five star wide receiver Troy Franklin, uh, big time recruit second highest wide receiver on the board ranking ranked on the board and they're really closing in fast on usd for the top class in the pac-12 mario cristobal has Oregon back humming again he's got him humming on the recruiting trail again because they just take that the one thing they, that they do is they recruit california well that's that's their gold mine and i just i have a hard time figuring out if anybody outside of usc can dethrone them in california Gless, what are your thoughts you're a Pac-12 guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, U-Dub always does really well in California, too, but, I mean, it's the allure of Oregon, right? I feel like this happens a lot in Pac-12 recruiting where whatever school wins the Pac-12 generally does well in California the following year. Uh, it doesn't surprise me, a little bit disappointing because I believe we were in his top three, so I really wanted him to go to U-Dub, but, I'm, you know, I I know that they thought that he was going to end up at, at Oregon, but it's kind of the allure of Oregon, right? I mean, Oregon still has that... Kind of that eye with recruiting that they used to have when they were winning a lot of Pac-12 championships with like Chip Kelly, right? It's it's the speed, it's the uniforms, it's the facility, it's it, it's kind of one of those schools that has this weird allure that's it's sometimes it's a little bit hard to explain, but um, you know, I mean, this look, Chris Ball knows what he's doing. He recruits extremely well. Um, he's a big offensive line guy, and he's recruited offensive line extremely well since he's been at Oregon but um you know it's just another top rated skill guy that they're gonna have and uh the kid's a player that's for sure so unfortunately we will be playing against him for the next four
1: years so not really looking forward to that well well the good news is is Oregon at least for this year is Oregon's kind of got a hodgepodge of what they're going to do at quarterback I mean you got a sophomore in Tyler Show You've got tran- you've got grad transfer Anthony Brown from Boston College and true freshman Jay Butterfield, so it's kind of going to be a hodgepodge. I don't know, but their defense is obviously elite this year, and Crystal Ball continues to recruit elite, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I think Oregon's back and they're here to stay. And but you know what, USC and UW and Oregon are always. It's going to be fun watching the Pac-12 compete now, year in and year out. Now that they're starting to get more teams to recruit better and 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 kind of come back to par. I'm excited to see what they can do on the national level. Now staying in the PAC 12 and speaking of Washington, Washington landed top FCS grad transfer, Kevin Thompson quarterback from Sacramento state had a prolific year. Last year took Sacramento state to the playoffs for the first time, won a bunch of games. And it sounds like he's going to compete with Jacob sermon because I would imagine with him committing this late in the game as a grad transfer to Washington, he probably could have chose to play at 90% of the schools in the FBS, it sounds like. And if he's going to go to Washington, I'm assuming Jimmy Lake-Gless probably said, hey, the competition's open. Why don't you come eat?
0: Yeah, I, absolutely. I, You know, Big Sky Player of the Year, Sacramento State. Um, you know, guy was a player last year. I watched him a little bit against Arizona State, and he's a little bit different than everybody else they have at quarterback. So, you know, obviously with Jacob Easton getting drafted – uh, really, it's now went from a three-person competition to a four-person competition. And what really makes it competitive for Kevin Thompson coming is, again, there, there was no spring practice, right? So, you know, it, it, there's no spring practice in there. Obviously, you have the new head coach in Jimmy Lake. But you also have uh, a new offensive coordinator in John Donovan. And so it's a new system for all the quarterbacks, which is interesting. Now, their depth chart is is extremely deep at quarterback. Obviously, you have Jacob Sermon, who was the backup last year. Uh, people would think that he would be the head, that he would be the guy that would more likely win this job. But, guys, I got to tell you, Dylan Morris got signed out of the class 2018. He was a four-star quarterback, but he was ranked fourth nationally pro-style. Mm-hmm. Um, and the coaching staff was extremely impressed by him last year. Uh, and then, you know, you have Ethan Gerbers, the guy who came, who uh, signed with UW in this class for 2020, uh, brother of the, the other Gerbers kid who starts Chase. in California. Yep. Guys, this kid, second quarterback in the history of high school football in the state of California to throw for 70 or more touchdowns. Do wow. you guys know who the first one is?
1: JT Daniels.
0: Pasto, you got a guess?
2: No, I'm tired
1: yeah, of this sorry. Of uh, Well Well, it's – it's, <laughs> The only other four-year
0: starter quarterback at the University of Washington, Jake Browning, is the other guy. So, a little bit of of a unique situation there. Uh, Extremely deep quarterback room. Now, what Kevin Thompson brings to the Huskies that they don't have in these other guys is the ability to run with his legs. And Sacramento State used him a lot in a lot of quarterback run game. You don't get a lot of that with Sermon, Gerbers, or Morris. So. I think it's a different style of quarterback they have. But, guys, it's it's going to be a hot competition when August comes around because new system, new offensive coordinator, and none of these guys have started a college football game before. So it'll be interesting to see what happens at UW.
1: Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. And, and with the, all the new changes and stuff, I'm sure it'll take a minute for whoever – uh, get wins the job to kind of get their feet underneath them which is tough because they open the season up with Michigan so whoever wins has to be ready to play right away and and glus how do you feel about that do you feel like th- that you're okay or what do you think no no
0: i'm i'm nervous <laughs> throwing a first time starter in there to play against michigan uh, you know a top 15 top 15 school for sure the, the only Saving graces. I feel we're extremely talented everywhere. I think we're really good on defense. I think we've got really great skill kids. Um, but the quarterback's going to be the biggest thing, right? And and can they find a guy? There, it's going to be interesting to see what they have at the quarterback position because Eason was kind of heralded coming in as this guy's going to take us to the next level. Uh, and yeah, he had a nice season, but you know when you got to the fourth quarter, he was he was nowhere to be found. Um, so I don't, I don't know really what to expect, but it's kind of like throwing somebody to the dogs early on. I I'm hoping that their talent elsewhere, skill positions up front, uh, and on defense can really help get a quarterback on their feet fast. So I, yep. I don't uh, to ask if it makes me feel good playing a top fifteen team, week <laughs> one.
1: No, it doesn't make me feel good with
0: a new quarterback. <laughs>
1: I got you. <laughs> well, kind of pivoting. We talked. We obviously what we talked about mainly is FBS stuff. Pastel, why don't you take us through some FBS updates and what's been going on on the recruiting circuit down there?
2: Yeah, I'm going to focus a little bit on tight ends this week. So I think it's very interesting that there's been two tight ends that committed to. Uh, well, one was Connor Holstein, who committed to Princeton, and he's six foot five, 210 Ooh. pounds from Frisco, Texas. And the one thing I loved about when I watched this film, is that he's like a receiver, man. Like, the guy has the athletic ability to just play wide receiver. So, he, he is a tight end, and you can show he shows the ability to get nasty with his blocking. Now, he's not going to like really drive anybody off their feet because he's only 210 pounds. And that's my biggest thing with him is like, dude, mm-hmm. just add some damn weight. Like, once you add some weight, I would love to see what this guy can do. I mean, he, he got offered by some decent. Uh, size programs. I mean, not only did he get offered by Princeton and Harvard and programs like that, he got offered some UCF, Air Force, and some other uh, big-time FBS schools. So, with him, I think it's just a matter of kind Mm -hmm. of just developing his body and growing into his body, but he's got the the ball skills at tight end and the the willingness as a blocker to be a very good tight end prospect. So, I think it was a big pickup for Princeton. Now, the other guy, talking about tight ends, how about a guy named Reese Burkhardt he was six foot eight 235 wow. pounds now this guy is hilarious because I, not to talk about my high school college days or high school d- days again like you know Glessner, how I used to just throw it up to Ken He was six foot five and it's all I had to do was throw it up so this guy is exactly what that what Ken was like Reese you just go to the corner of the end zone and he just gets jump balls like he's not overly athletic even though he did play defensive end in high school and was pretty successful at it mind you. But watching him like run routes, he's very unpolished. Running routes, not very in mm-hmm. control of his body. You can see it's just he's not very smooth. He's not very fast. Not very athletic. But just get him in the corner of the end zone, and he just mosses <laughs> people left and right. It's hilarious. So hopefully he's one of those guys that he just needs to kind of kind of. He's young, right? He's you know seventeen, eighteen years old, and he's he's six foot eight. That's hard for anybody. So hopefully, the South Dakota. Uh, yes, I yep. forgot to mention who he got – can be committed to was, but yeah, South Dakota State, it's a big pickup for them because I think it's a program that has proven successful. Uh, I mean, they had Dallas Go-Dirt yep. uh, a couple years ago that went to the Philadelphia Eagles, and he's been very su- successful with them. So it's a program he's going to that has proven a tight tight end uh, lineage, and I think they can develop a guy like Reese Burkhardt, and who knows what he can be as long as soon as he can like really control his body more and become a little bit more athletic. But it's a good prospect and a good weekend FCS nice. uh, ranks. Yeah, and
1: you know what? You could have got us back there, Brandon. You could have been like, do you know who the other tight end that came from South Dakota was? That's right. <laughs> you could have got us, man. Uh, you could have got us. I I wouldn't I I would I, that, I wouldn't have got it because I wouldn't have thought of Dallas goer but I, I as soon as you said his name, I was like, oh, yeah, he did go to South Dakota. Uh, well, <laughs> opportunity missed. Um, uh, anyway, so what 24 seven did this week is they went ahead and they had their, their player adjustments. And what that means is they kind of re-ranked everybody and, and gave them new recruiting stars or, or points or whatever you want to call it. And, and so just kind of wanted to go over how that affected the G five top five and the top 10 overall. So without further ado, here's your G five top five. As of right now, number one class is still Cincinnati ranked 33rd overall, uh, number two is Memphis, ranked forty. And a little interesting note is they actually just flipped a player named Cameron Jackson from LSU for this year's recruiting class, the twenty twenty class. So right before he was about to enroll in LSU, they actually flipped him, and and he became the second best signee for the for the twenty twenty recruiting class for Memphis. So just a little tidbit, a little cool, a little cool feature for Memphis there, a little cool addition, late addition. Uh, SMU's third at forty first ranked overall. Number 4 is Toledo, 42nd ranked overall, and number 5 is Colorado State, 45, 45th overall. And the top 10 overall as a whole, not G5, is number 1 Ohio State, number 2 Tennessee, number 3 Clemson, number 4 UNC, number 5 USC, number 6 Michigan, new new addition number 7 Oregon, number 8 Florida number 9, Texas, and number 10, Miami. And that's your top 10 overall. And, Pastel, I know you kind of threw out some stuff earlier about the biggest riser of the week. Who is that this week?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, it's hard not to mention Texas. Like, they did jump into the top 10 after a phenomenal week. But another school that I think is, I mean, talk about the big week in recruiting is the Louisville Cardinals. And they got four three-star recruits this past week, but really highly they Touted it, three-star recruits. I mean, we're talking about guys mm-hmm. that are ranked in the top 600, 700. Players like Michael Gonzalez, offensive guard. T.J. Quinn, who I honestly thought was going to get commit to Virginia Tech at one point. He's a safety that's going to to Louisville. And then uh, uh, Connie Walker, he's a cornerback. So kind of just solidifying that backfield. He's another top uh, 750 player in, in the league. Kind or of recruiting, and then Derek Edwards, another cornerback, three-star player. So, like, really huge week not only for Louisville but Louisville's secondary, and they they jumped into the 18th overall class. 18th, Louisville Cardinals jumped into the 18th overall class, and that, and that is crazy to me because of how bad they were. I mean, you think about ago.
1: what Scott Satterfield has done in such a short time at Louisville. You know, taking over for Bobby Petrino. They had an awful season. And then taking the same roster that was 2 and, I think, 10 the year before and then going and going and making a bowl with it in the first year is absolutely incredible. And then you got guys like Mikael Cunningham, Tutu Atwell, and Javion Hawkins who are just going to tear up the ACC with the, on offense. It's got – Scott Scott Satterfield's the real deal, guys. I mean, look what he did at Appalachian State when he was there, and he's just doing the same thing at Louisville. He's recruiting well, and he's coaching up kids that maybe weren't as talented as people predicted, but he's been able to develop them and he's been able to get them to play hard. And it doesn't surprise me that he's doing so well this early on at Louisville he's probably going to end up taking this Louisville job and packaging it into a big-time P5 yeah. program down the road. Yeah, that's what I was
0: going to say. I, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him here in the next couple of years if Louisville continues to succeed on the field and what happens with him, right, and and what other big jobs are there, quote-unquote, potentially out there. Because as we've kind of talked about on the show, the, the big-time P5 jobs that could be available next season, really not many of them. Um, so, you know, a guy like, you know, Satterfield has to really weigh the pros and cons of mm-hmm. do I go ahead and, you know, make a lateral jump or do I sit here at Louisville and, and kind of wait till one
1: of the biggest P5 jobs comes available? Um, just something to watch here in the next few years. If I'm Virginia Tech and Justin Fuente doesn't do that hot this year, I fire him and hire Scott Satterfield and just give him a blank check. Look man, as much as I love talking recruiting, I think we could talk for hours. We got to wrap it up, and that's kind of the end of our show. Uh, I feel like we hit all the big news this week. I'm excited to see what next week brings. As always, you know you can follow us and interact with the show on social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Prospects One Hundred One Pod. We're always posting throughout the week, and please interact with us. We love to talk to our fans, and whatever your favorite podcast platform you listen to, we're on it. Whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Google Play, iTunes, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're on it. Subscribe and stay up to date with all of our episodes. Lots of great interviews upcoming and more great content. Make sure you give us a five-star review as well. We appreciate that. We appreciate everybody spreading the word, and that really helps us out a lot. So for uh, myself, Kenny Keller, for Brandon Pastel, for Brandon Glessner, have a great week.